My dear friends, grace and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who comes to us this day in his word to bring us peace, comfort, new life, that new life that comes through his passion, death, and resurrection. Amen. Every once in a while we get a scripture reading that really starts to rattle us, starts to pick at us and hold on to us. And it's something like we get here in John chapter 12 in the interplay between Mary and Judas. Because as you listen to this, you'd think, you know what, we're supposed to care for the poor, right? And so we end up starting to think that, wow, maybe I should be like Judas. Maybe Judas has it right. Look what Mary did. She just poured out all that perfume, and it could have been useful in some better way. It could have been sold for 300 denarii. Now, a denarius is something that you would earn as a day's labor. So this is like a year's worth of money, something like $40,000. And she just wasted it there at dinner. We have an incurable sensibility about us where we're always counting things up. Wondering, did I do it just right? Did we put it to the best use? We want to be good stewards, after all, don't we? Of all the things that God has given us. I would dare say none of you gets your electric bill and says, you know what? I'll just pay triple. Doesn't matter. Instead, you see your electric bill, and what do you do but walk over to the thermostat and say, oh, that's a little too high. I'm going to turn that down for the day. Nobody goes to the store and just throws money around to say, hey, whatever's in my cart, I'll just pay $10,000 for today. doesn't matter. We're always, always counting, especially around money. But it's everywhere. We count our friends on Facebook. We count the members of the church. We count who showed up in worship. The numbers and the counting never end for us because they give us a way to measure our growth in life, to measure our health, to look back at ourselves and to say, oh yeah, I've really made a a big difference this year. On the opposite side, we're always worried that our counting is going in the opposite direction, that we're getting smaller and lesser in the world. And so we're either counting up or counting down, but either way, we're using that to guide the way we live in the world, which points out the difference today between Mary and Judas. Judas cannot stop counting how much he could have had in the coffers, where Mary thinks nothing of the cost, nothing of what it looks like, pours out the perfume and does an outlandish, lavish gratitude. She stopped thinking about the cost. For some reason, something else grabbed her life. And it's right there in our gospel reading tonight. There's a couple of things. The first one is that it's at that Mary is Lazarus' sister, and there Lazarus is with her at dinner. 
And in just the last chapter, what did we see but Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. At that point, Mary and Martha were both counting how many days he had waited. If he had been there earlier, her brother wouldn't have died. But something about Jesus coming to the tomb and calling the dead back to life is one of the things that Mary starts to see there's something else going on with Jesus, not just caring for the poor and beyond being a good steward, beyond counting your life up or down. Jesus, the life giver, the one who called to the dead and gave new life, is there with her. It's also six days before the Passover, which means we're about halfway through the Gospel of John, and the next half is going to be all the last week of Jesus' life. Mary is starting to see what has just been whispered about so far in the Gospel of John by others, that Jesus will take part in this Passover, that he will be the Lamb of God, talked about in John chapter 1, who has come to take the sin of the world, not just to mark the people of God as happened back in the Exodus, but to take the sin of the world upon himself, to die, not counting our sins against us, but rather dying for us. Mary starts to see what is coming when nobody else really can, that Jesus is going to die for the world. He's going to take the sin of the world to himself. He's going to make you lose all of that sin as he takes it onto his own body, into his own self. Taking the sin of the world, not counting the cost toward you, not worrying about what it looks like, not avoiding the shame and the death of all that is to bring, but walking right into it, straight to the cross, straight to death. We sometimes talk about Jesus paying the penalty because that's all we can really think about when we're stuck in the world of counting up or down, but it's not really clear where this payment went or what it was for, but it is to break this cycle of counting and costs, to wonder, did he pay enough? But rather to end the cycle of up and down, counting and wondering, all together to break us out of wondering, did I do enough? Did he do enough? And to start trusting that everything that he did is for us. His death and resurrection become a new life for us where we are then freed from being able to count, to count and wonder, do I have enough in my account? Do I have enough good? Do I have to keep balancing the good and the bad? 
It is an entirely new life. That's what he's come for. Not to keep us in the scales, but to take us out of them altogether. The great prophet of the 60s, Bob Dylan, said it this way in one of his famous lines, when you've got nothing, you've got nothing to lose. And that's pretty close to what we're talking about. It's a little bit like what St. Paul is talking about in Philippians, right? That he has come to count all of the things that he could put on his gain list as loss because they keep getting taken away from him. He keeps having to lose himself and see all the things that he is losing in life. It's enough to make you despair until you come to have nothing. But he turns around and doesn't just say you've got nothing to lose. He says, in losing everything, I gain the one thing that actually matters. I gain Christ and his promise. When you've got nothing left to lose, there you can be absolutely sure that Jesus Christ has you. Losing all of the things, especially losing the, 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 the prison of having to count the cost, count your worth, count your sins, recount your sins, tell them all the time and say, oh my gosh, I'm so awful at this. Instead to say, yes, I am sinner, but Christ has given me something more than counting. Usually we think that we are trying to move away from Judas and towards Mary. So it's a shock to hear that we are not trying to preach you to say, don't be like Judas, but be more like Mary. But that what Christ has done for you is to stop you moving from the bad of Judas to the good of Mary. And to start to say, in your good and bad, you lose it all. For Christ comes and takes all. All of your sin upon himself, all that you are, all that you had, you lose. Your time, your money, your reputation, maybe even your hearing and your mobility, all the way down to your death, where you have nothing left except Christ and his promise that says, you now have my resurrection. It was a shock when our founder, when Martin Luther started to tell the world that the Christian life isn't really a movement from, uh, from vice to virtue, from being worse to being better, but moving away from vice and virtue finally to the righteousness and life of Christ getting off of the up and down scales to finally just a life of faith that trusts his promise to you. That at his cross, counting nothing, not the cost, not of his reputation, not of what it looked like to the world, counting nothing but giving all for you. There we receive his peace and new life. That life that comes not in what we can count, but that life of faith that comes from trusting his clear, direct, 
word to each one. Behold the new thing that God is doing. The new creation that comes in Jesus Christ. The creation, that new life that Mary starts to see arrive that day. Not just at his burial, so that it can come to us this day as well. Not way back then, but right now. Jesus' death and resurrection taking hold of your life and giving you faith, hope, and trust in the God who gave it all for you. Amen.